praise God forever. Amen. Philip, 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 Philip. Philip, we're starting the service. Get yourself back over here. All right. Let's turn our Bibles tonight to 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. We started talking about the devil. People say, oh, gosh, you don't have to talk about the devil. Yes, we do need to talk about the devil. I believe that some of the greatest stronghold that the devil has is in America itself, in a nation that is deceived and non-responsive to the truths as well as the working of the devil. All that evil needs is righteousness to do nothing. Now, if we do not believe in the devil, if we are deceived, if we're constantly blaming everything on age, well, it's just the way the world is, well, you know how people are today, well, you know, it's just how things have changed and all that, then what we do is we simply allow evil to dominate our lives, our families, the airways, the airways. I'm going to be talking maybe in a couple of weeks about the seven dimensions of kingdom influence and uh, just how weak the church is and how strong the devil has become and why he rules a nation who belongs to God. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Yet the devil and his people are controlling what God has declared to be his possession. It has nothing to do with the age. It has nothing to do with people. It has to do with people sitting on the other side of a valley as Israel did and allowing giants to taunt them that they could defeat if they'd simply stand up on two things called their feet and they could reverse the world. The Bible said, if my people will humble themselves and turn, repent from their wicked ways that I, their God, will heal their land. In other words, I will bring order, structure, and I will bring right back to their nation. Now, we would say, well, man, how could God do that? Same way he set a world that was in chaos in Genesis 1 and 2 back in order. He'll speak the word, and I'm telling you, evil will be overthrown and righteousness will be enthroned and reign. That's how fast it can happen. But it takes the people. Now, that tells me something, that if God says, if my people that are called by my name will humble themselves, that that is the problem, that the land is sick. Not God, not the devil. It is the people of the Lord. And until we really get ourselves to the place that we repent and turn from wickedness and rise up to live righteously, then our world is never going to change. It, ju it just will not. But today we're talking about the devil. Hallelujah. So, and it says, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, least the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Next verse. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. I want to preach tonight about who is Satan. Who is Satan? Many of his names will portray 
his workings. But I want you to notice in this passage of Scripture that he blinds those that do not believe. And he blinds them in such a capacity that when we preach the gospel, they cannot receive it. When you are preaching the gospel to somebody on a consistent basis and you do not see change, and change comes two ways, either it comes in compliance or it comes in rebellion. But if you want to know if somebody is hearing the gospel, they don't just say, well, you know, that's, that's good, but I just don't believe that way. That's not an answer to the gospel. The answer to the gospel is, I believe that, but I reject it, or a rebellious attitude of hatred towards the individual that's bringing it. But sometimes we don't recognize the working of the devil, and we just say, well, you know, I told him about it, and he just, well, is there a reason that we have told him about the greatest thing that has ever happened since creation of man and they don't respond to it either in a rebellious way or in a compliant way why do we preach to people so many times and they don't get changed is it by chance and an actual truth that they have been smitten with spiritual blindness by the devil I would, if, if I was preaching the gospel, and if I looked at all the stories in the Bible where Stephen preached and it pierced their hearts so much they stoned him and bit on him and gnawed on him with their teeth, that's rejection. All right. Or when Paul preached and they stoned him, and the list could go on and on. But when we preach, it's just, well, you know, Ah, uh, yeah, I know, yeah, yeah, I know. Well, we used to go to church, yeah, yeah, we believe in God. But is it so foreign to us that the devil could blind a nation to the gospel of Jesus Christ so that no matter how many preachers are on television in one Sunday morning that they could not hear from the lips of any one of them? Or do we just say, well, that's just the way that it is? I don't think that we should just say that's just the way that it is. There is a reason that people don't receive the gospel. And we have it right here that the God of this world hath blinded them. Hath blinded them least they would hear the glorious gospel of Christ and be converted. Remember what the glorious gospel of Christ is. It is the power unto salvation. Somebody say to salvation. salvation. That is the power, the dunamis, the life-changing, the uncontainable, the unrestrictable, the undeniable power of God himself in every syllable bringing life. Yet people... Do not hear it. Nobody can run into God and not know it. So when we're preaching, I think sometimes we're preaching to blind men and women. 
And when we go to witness to people, whether we're going to their house, we have plans to go to their house, set them down and talk to them, we just say, you know, God, do this or do that. But when really, it's not that God is not doing his part, it's that the devil has already done his. And that we need to take authority over devils that have blinded ordinary men and women so that they cannot hear the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. So the first thing that we realize that the devil is, somebody say, he is the God of this world. Now, he does not own this world. That right belongs to God, the creator. Now, when it talks about him being the God of this world, he did not obtain this legal right to own, dominate, rule, be exalted above all other beings on his own. He did it through the fall of Adam. Basis is that any time a man is conquered or a king is conquered, that which he has becomes the conqueror uh, possessions. So when Adam was overthrown by the enemy, he became the servant to sin. He became the servant to the devil. He began to be ruled by the devil. He began to be the offspring of the devil. Therefore, that which Adam had became the devil's. Now, the devil only has a certain period on this. In other words, he has a certain time frame that he is going to rule this earth. After that, when Jesus comes back, he's going to fall back into the possession of God. But since God gave it to Adam, then God honors authority. And so what he gave to Adam, it was Adam's to do with what he would do with. It's just like when God gives you life and victory, it's yours. You can do with it what you want. You can lay it down. You can get weary of it. You can get discouraged in it. You can do whatever you want with it. doesn't change God's attitude. It just simply means that he's given it to you. And if he's given it to you, it's within your authority and your usability. So it's in your grasp, and what you do with it is up to you. So, we understand that he became the God of this world, which simply means that he is the ruler of all people that are born in this world. Oh, he doesn't rule everybody. Yes, he does. Every man is born under sin. Romans 5.12 down through 5.19 says that how a man comes into the earth when Adam sinned, death passed upon all men. It's like you, David. If you were a German, when you came to America, you would still be a German. But if you gave birth to any children, they would be German because it's in their DNA. Everything produces after its own kind. So when Adam sinned and became bound by sin, everything that he produced was born separated from God. Let's go to Romans 5.12, and we'll, we'll look at this, and then we'll, we'll move on. And while we're turning this, when he says that it's the uh, God of this world, he's also the prince of nations. He is the prince of nations. It says, wherefore, by one man. Somebody say, one man. That one man was Adam. Sin entered into the world, and death, spiritual separation from God, by sin. And so death passed upon 
all, somebody say all. all. Now you understand when the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All men have been born under a canopy of sin. They've been born separated from God. Why? Because that's what Adam, their father, was separated from God. For that all have sinned. For until the law was in the world, uh, un until the law, sin was in the world. What does that mean? That means that from the time of creation, from the time of Adam and Eve up to the time of Moses, there was only one sin that was recorded that was ever done. That was they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and ill. That was the only sin that was in the world. God had told Adam not to do one thing. That was the only sin that could be committed. After that, Cain did murder his brother. But when it says, for un until the law, sin was in the world. In other words, where there is no law, nobody knows that sin is happening. The law was added because men were transgressing. The Bible says in, in Galatians 3, 26, 27, 28, 29, that why did the law come, come to be our schoolmaster or to teach us of sin? And so when the law came under Moses, now man knows what sin is. Thou shalt not covet. Uh, Paul says in Romans the seventh chapter, how would I have known that I should not covet my neighbor's wife except that the law said thou shalt not cover, covet. See, the law is not bad. The law is good. What was weak in the law was not the weakness of the law or the weakness of God nor the strength of the devil. It was the weakness of man's flesh. Romans 8, 1, 2, and 3. So when man's weakness of flesh could not fulfill the law, he sinned. All right? And so the sin was in the world, and it says was in the world, but sin was not imputed unto them where there is no law. In other words, God did not hold the seed of, Ab of Adam up to Moses subject to the law on that they sinned themselves, but they were born separated from God anyway. But they didn't sin like uh, Adam sinned. They were born separated from God. The next verse. It says, nevertheless, death reigned, separation from God reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is a figure of him that was to come. But none, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is also the gift, for the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. And for by one man's offense or sin, death, separation from God. This is where uh, the devil gained his superiority and his kingdom and his right to rule was because man became separated from God. 
before his separation, he could not rule man. Now, that's an important fact. And it says this, And death reigned by one. Much more, they which have received abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign, shall reign, somebody say shall reign, in life by one Christ Jesus. In other words, if you have been imputed with righteousness, made righteous by the gift of Christ Jesus, then you will reign in life, not in eternity, in life. Next verse. And it says, therefore, as by the offense of one sin, Adam, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, Christ Jesus, the free gift came upon all men to justification of life. Next verse. And as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Now, so the devil comes and he reigns through this process of separation between man and God. He is known as the prince of nations. He is the author of all misery, all misery. Suffering is not of God. Suffering is not of God. Hunger is not of God. Poverty is not of God. Death is not of God. Perversion is not of God. It is a result of the prince of the nations. And so we understand that miseries, sorrows, death, pain, he is the king and the ruler of all demon spirits. Of all demon spirits. Now, let's go to Colossians 1, 13. And he has a kingdom. Somebody say, he has a kingdom. All right. And it says, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son? So we were under the rule of one, the power of darkness, Satan's domain, his kingdom. But when Jesus comes and offers us redemption, in that redemption is a translation out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, to the kingdom of God's dear son, the kingdom of life, the kingdom of blessing, the kingdom of righteousness, the kingdom of prosperity, the kingdom of deliverance, the kingdom of power. So the devil does have a kingdom. Somebody say, somebody has a kingdom. Now, let me ask you, where is the devil's kingdom? Where? He is the God of this world, but he doesn't reign from this world. Somebody say, well, you know, go back to hell from where you came from. He's never been to hell. I have to tell you the truth. It's, it's the honest truth. He's not been to hell. I don't know why people think that. But the Bible says that when the time has come, that the angel will take the devil, the serpent, the dragon, and he will take him and cast him into the lake of fire. Do you know that the devil never goes to hell? Now, the lake of fire is an extension of hell. That's why it says hell was created for the devil and his angels, but not to rule from. His kingdom is in what is known as the second heaven. The second heaven. We can find that. Go to Ephesians, the sixth chapter, verse 10. The second heaven. Where is the second heaven? Well, Paul spoke about, in 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, he spoke about the third heaven. 
Now, what is a heaven? Somebody say, a spance of space. That's all it is. It is just a spance of space. That's it. That's what a heaven is. Now, the first heaven is a heaven that is filled with oxygen. It is the heaven of man and all creation. There is nothing that lives out there. Well, they're looking at Mars and they're, they could quit looking. I'm just telling you that there's nothing out there that can live outside of the first heaven. And in the, in the sphere of the first heaven, that means a spance of space between earth and the second heaven is what we call oxygen, that which produces life, that which has a life essence in it. Every creature on planet Earth has to have oxygen. Maybe different portions, but they all have to have it. Man needs oxygen. That is the first heaven. But then there is the second heaven, and that is the spance of space between where oxygen or life stops, where God has limited the movement of man and creation, and then it is between the first and the third heaven where God reigns. That is the heaven where Paul was caught up to in 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. He's caught up to the third heaven, received things that were not uh, mentionable or uttered to be uttered to men. Now, so the devil lives in the second heaven. And in order for God to get to our world, he has to go through the kingdom of darkness. Well, why? Well, we know in Daniel, the 10th chapter, where Daniel, when he was praying, the angel came to him and said, Daniel, I've come for your prayers. I came from the first day that you prayed. God told me to come. I've come for the answer. But because when I started coming, I ran into confrontation. The adversary, the king of Persia, not a spiritual, not a natural king, but a spiritual king, started contesting him, fighting him, but got so fierce that he had to call for Michael, the archangel, and they came, and they were fighting the battle, and he said, I must return and help. Now, in Ephesians 6, 10, it says this, Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may, able, may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in hellish places. In high places. That's amazing. Hallelujah. That's amazing. The devil doesn't want to go to hell. He's trying to avoid it, but he can avoid it, but he's trying. He wishes he didn't have to go there, but thank God, one day, hallelujah, in the sweet by and by. All right, now, so he has a kingdom. That kingdom is, is positioned in the second heaven. It is not in hell. I've heard people say, devil, go back to hell where you came from. He's not going anywhere. He says, this guy's stupid. He doesn't even know where I live. So, you, you, look, you got to know what to do with the devil if you're going to do something. Jesus never sent any of them to hell. He sent him out, cast him out, and they went out among the dry places seeking to find rest. Yeah, there you go. All right, so he has a kingdom. 
His greatest desire is to be like God. To be like God. And he would have all people and all living creatures worship him. And he would give everything he owned for that worship. He told Jesus, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you all these kingdoms. Realize how much like God he wants to be. All he wants to do is be worshipped and Worship, worship is more valuable than all the powers of the kingdoms that are under his domain. Isn't that amazing? So when we worship God, think about God's value system of everything else that he's created. Worship supersedes the value of everything. Wow, boy, whoo. Then go to Matthew 13, 19. Matthew 13, 19. So we're just talking about the devil. Am I say the devil? Get to know him, praise God, so you'll recognize him when he knocks on your door. When anyone heareth the word of God or the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one. Now you see how important blindness to be broken if, if you get blinded by the devil, you're not going to understand things, and then the wicked one is going to come. And he catches away that which was sown in his heart. This is that, that which receives seed by the wayside. Now here, the devil is called the wicked one. Somebody say, he's the wicked one. Anything that has to do with wickedness, any way, shape, or form, comes from the devil real simple real simple all right let's go down to verse 39 Matthew 13 39 and here it says and the enemy that sowed them is the devil somebody say he is the enemy he's the enemy what's he the enemy of he's the enemy of the word he's the enemy of God's will he's the enemy of every revelation he's the enemy of your faith he is the enemy of what the Word can do in your life. He is the enemy of God, and he is the enemy of all mankind. Now, he's just the enemy. Don't mess with him, and don't play with him. Amen. All right? He is also the name of the accuser of the brethren in Revelations 12.10. He is called the accuser of the brethren, which may, means that he is the defamer or the slanderer. Wow. Think of this. Every time somebody says something negative, it's not just them. It is the devil using them. You are not the accuser of the brethren. You are made in the image of God. So in order for your mouth to function as an accuser or a slanderer, you have got to be influenced by the devil. Now, next time you say something negative, you just realize that you are giving place to the devil through your life. Now let me say this, and he'll pay you for working for him, and God will let him. Oh, hallelujah. Yep, yep. First Peter, wow, boy, that kind of stunned everybody. Hallelujah. God never uses the voice of a believer to slander anybody. He doesn't use the voice of a believer 
to accuse anybody, to repeat a matter, or to say anything. Who is that? That's a devil, friend. He is a divider. He is a death striker. He is the disunifier. He is the one that makes love perverted to the point that it turns into hurt. Well, you know, people need to know who made you the devil's mouth, but the devil himself. Yep, okay. First Peter 5, 8. He is called the adversary. There, that was quick. Be sober, be vigilant, vigilant because you're who? Whose adversary is? Is the adversary of God? No. He is the adversary of the believer. He is the devil. He is portrayed here like a roaring lion. Tells what he does. He's walking and he is seeking whom he may devour. Now that's his whole existence. Now, let's look at, boy, let's go to John 8, 44. Wow. He is called the dragon. He is called the old serpent, which is the devil and Satan himself, according to Revelations 20, verse 2 on down. John 8, 44. Ye are of your father. Now, who's Jesus talking to? Anybody that's not saved. Anybody that's not saved, even those that think they are and they aren't. You are of your father, the devil, and the lusts or the will of your father ye will do. So in other words, if he's a slanderer and you slander somebody, speak negatively, what does that mean? Yeah, yeah there's a seed in you that God doesn't like. All right. And it says this. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth. So anytime you disassociate yourself from the truth that you know, guess what? You are breaking the same covenant that the devil broke to become the enemy of God. Pastor, let's preach about flowers and roses and lilies of the valley. But because there is no truth in him, when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a, a liar and the father of it. Somebody say, he is a murderer. All right. Somebody say, he is a liar. He is the father of all lies. In Matthew 4, 3, he is the tempter. The tempter. In Matthew 12, 24, he is the prince of all devils. Ephesians 2, 2, he is the prince of the power of the air. Not of the prince of hell, he is the prince of the power of the air. In John 14, 30, he is the prince of this world. 2 Corinthians eleven three, he is the corrupter of the human mind. He is the corrupter of the human mind. Because if he begins to orchestrate your thoughts, you ultimately begin to become what the seed started. Uh, Matthew, I mean, I'm sorry, Mark 5, 1 says that 
he, Jesus came over and he met one possessed. We know that he's possessed with the deem, uh, a legion. So we understand that the devil is stronger than a multitude of men. He is stronger than their inventions, their steel, their shackles, cannot stop, hinder, nor reverse what the devil does. And so demons are not to be feared, though, but they're not to be mocked. I've heard people say, and I think that I've said it, and I repent because I've been just foolish. Well, the devil's just a dummy. He's not a dummy. He's a strategist. The Bible says that he is like a roaring lion. The Bible told us in Ephesians 6, 10 down through 12, that we need to put on the armor of God that we might be able to withstand the wiles, the snares, the strategies that he has sent up. In other words, he can think, he can plan, he can record, he can mimic and duplicate because he can manage to appear like an angel of light. So, because all of his demons can. So he's not stupid. Don't mock the devil. You'll find yourself being laughed at. You'll find yourself being imprisoned by him. Listen, you don't fear him, but you certainly don't mock him. Jesus never once laughed at him, nor mocked him, nor made fun of him. And when people do, they're trying to get a laugh. They're trying to start something. But listen, don't fall into that foolish stuff. Listen, you understand that he is an adversary. And he is going around with one thing in mind. He wants to devour you. You have to be aware and you have to be wise and you have to be awakened and you have to be stirred or he will catch you. Remember the Bible says this, when you see a brother that is taken in sin, you know what, you restore that brother. Then you think this, I am a man like him and I could fall into the same thing. So don't think that you are above what the devil can do. You always have to be aware. Amen. Now, you have more power than him. You don't have to fear him, but you certainly don't mock him and don't discredit his attack on you. Now, he's powerless. No, he's powerless. Don't fear him, but be aware because he'll set a snare for you. Amen. All right. So let me see. All right, demons. Praise God, there's so much about the devil. Man, you write a book. All right. Demons can and do use people to carry out their plans. Typical example, in-laws. <laughs> Adversity, pain, suffering, misery. No, let's go to uh, Mark, the 8th chapter, verse 31. <laughs> I did one time rise up and thought the devil was in the house. I found out my mother-in-law just stopped by. No, I'm kidding you. All right, and it says this. And he began to teach them and the son of, that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days raise again. And he spake that saying openly and Peter took him and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned about 
and looked upon his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get thee behind me. What? Now, is he talking to Peter or is he talking to the devil? Talking to the devil. Talking to the devil. One moment you can be God's gift, the next moment you can be the devil's instrument. That's how fast it changes. That fast right there. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. Now we have something different. Now the devil not only has demonic things, but he uses the wishes of men against the things of God, the desires of the mind. All right, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. All right, let's look at uh, Luke 9, 52. Luke 9, 52. Come on, Luke, there you go. And sent messengers before his face. They went and entered into the village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them even as Isaiah or Elias did? But he turned about and rebuked them and said, I'm so glad you are on my side. You're so filled with joy and zeal. Praise God. But I have a little fault against you, you idiots. No, I'm kidding you. I'm just adding lib there. And he said, ye know not man, what manner of spirit ye are of. For the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives. Stop right there. Anytime that you're doing something destructive towards somebody, you are being used of a wrong spirit. I didn't come to destroy men's lives, but to save. And they went to another village. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto them, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. So we see here that James, and remember, John, the disciple of love, wasn't always so lovey. He wanted to have a shake and bake one day on the Samaritans. In other words, he was biased, intemperate, racist. Because people didn't think like he thought. You know, let me say this about the disciples. God doesn't cover anything up about them. But you know, they really were a clique. We saw a guy casting out devils in your name. We told him, stop it. We're the only guys allowed to do that stuff. Sounds like, well, we're the only church that's right. Jesus said, stop it. I got people that you don't even know of in other parts and in other folds. Is that shaking you there, Philip? Yes, I'm scared by it. Hey, at least thank God you're on the, the page that we're reading. You aren't reading some science fiction story. Praise God. And uh, so, so we realize that people can be used of the devil. Now, if they can be used, we need to be cautious. The Bible says that we judge everything. 
You don't just, it says don't believe every spirit. In other words, every unction, every stirring, every nudging, every leading that you have, judge it. Greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. But if you never use him that is in you, you could be used of him that is not in you. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. 2 Corinthians 11, 13 through 15. I want to get through this so we can move on to another section next week, but maybe I'm not going to make it. Oh, there you go. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers. Somebody say deceitful. That means that they can operate on the visual sight of people as if they are blind. Yes, they're deceitful workers, transforming. In other words, they become anything they need to be into the apostles of Christ. In other words, just because it preaches like an apostle, operates like an apostle, doesn't mean it really is an apostle. We got to judge them, amen? And no man... Oh, I've never, no, I'm not going there, Jesus. Absolutely not. No, I know. Absolutely, I'm not. I don't want to do that. Hey, yep, you know what? You, you need so much of the church is, I'm going to use this big word. What, what is it? Is it amorize? What, what is it? What, what is that? Uh, what is it? Mesmerized. Mesmerized by kingdom stars. And they hear them. They listen to them. They support them. Oh! They become so possessed with their stardom that they withdraw from the kingdom, their church. They don't do anything. They sit home and they just listen and listen and they become little chirpers and mimickers of great personalities and you don't even know what size shoe they wear and where they go to church. You don't know anything about them. They can become anything. And they can be anything. And that little time slot that you see, the Bible says, know them that labor among you. Know them. But the world, the church world, had become so mesmerized by great voices that just say whatever they want. I, I mean, I've known, I sent them $1,000. They said when I sent $1,000, I'm going to be debt-free and I'm going to get a new home. 30 days later, did you notify them it's not working? 60 days later, did you tell them? 90 days later? Oh, I remember all the prophets of God. In 2000, is going to be the great crash. I never had a... A meeting after, but I had a New Year's Eve meeting that week because I said at 12 o'clock I will still be here. The lights will still be on. My computer will still be working. My phone will be working and they'll all be liars and false prophets. They were all liars and false prophets. And lo and behold, we got up the next morning, turned the TV on to find out why they didn't really hear from God and God didn't do what he said. And you still watching them and buying their books. Amazing to me. Just amazing to me. 
Send their books back. Get a refund. Even now, send it back. And tell them you lied to me. I've been storing food for 14, 17 years. Cutting wood. Been planting out. Dug a hole in the ground. Been living like a mole. But see, you, you, you won't do that. You, 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 we, we'll just patch ourselves up. Make some excuse. Blind ourselves again. Be deceived again. And be took again. And we want to know why there's so many false prophets and no, we don't have a national prophet. We don't have a voice for the kingdom. Because we have filled the void with false voices. We don't require truth. We don't require integrity. We don't require holiness. We don't require responsibility. This is nothing but the devil. Anyway, that's just what I think. Let's go to verse... Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Oh, and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Next verse. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Remember the two men that Paul, that went out from Paul, and they started preaching that the day of the Lord had already passed, overthrowing the faith of some, overthrowing their faith. Now, don't you think that when, when they stop preaching the rapture and it overthrows the faith of some, don't you think that they should just, people should just stop listening to that? But I just tell you right now, there are dozens of people under the sound of my voice that don't believe in a rapture, don't, and that have been persuaded in the kingdom now. And, and you think that your faith is intact. You cannot preach. Jesus said, when you take communion, you do show Lord, the Lord's death until I come. There is a coming of the Lord. Yeah, but we aren't going to heaven. We're going to meet him in the air. I beg your pardon, absolutely not. The judgment seat of Christ takes place in heaven. It takes place with fire to cleanse and to consume the wood, the hay, and the stubble, and the rubble that you might be presented unto God without spot, without blemish, and holy. And there is no fire in any judgment that takes place on planet Earth. It only takes place at the throne judgment of Christ. You know, I'm telling you, folks. Now, and who gave you this great revelation of the kingdom? except somebody on TV. My pet peeve. People listening to people that do away with the gospel and we accept them eroding us. Overthrow the faith of some. Please come and plunder my faith. 
Why do we do this? You want, you want to be smarter than somebody else? You, you want to have some great new revelation? You want to have something? Look, if you can't live it, if it's not pliable, if it doesn't point your faith to the coming of Christ, if it doesn't promote holiness, righteousness, integrity, and faithfulness, get away from it. Amen? Get away from it. Praise God. I don't listen to anybody but brother so-and-so. Brother Dozak, would, would you do my funeral if I die? No. No, no, no. I am going to come and see so-and-so because he's going to show up. Yeah, right. All right, now let's go to second. Oh, no, let's not go there. But let's go. Demons talk. Gosh, let's end it there. Let's, let's, let's just, hallelujah, let's just, let's stop. Let's not get to, man, we already got angels of light on TV and do, hallelujah. Yeah. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. We are given and we are prone to foolish things. I heard somebody preach a whole sermon. Cain and Abel were twins. Where is that in the Bible? Well, you know, God showed me. And people bought the tape. I mean, it's like a bestseller. Why would you buy something? It can't be proved and doesn't matter. Then you've heard the, 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 the great lie that Adam had sex with the serpent. No, she ate of the tree of fruit. Eating ain't sex. Even I know that. People, please, please just read the Bible and get around somebody that has to face you on Sunday morning to tell you or explain to you why they did what they did and it didn't come to pass. I'm just, it, it, it is, it's crazy. I agree. David, it's crazy. But why do we do it? We are so enamored. Is that the word? Enamored? Is that a word? Really? Oh my God. I'm moving under the anointing. I'm, we are so enamored. Phil tells me, man, I knew you were anointed this morning. You could sing on key. Hallelujah. So when I come up with these big words, I'm presuming it's bigger than I am. And uh, so... You know, we, we get so enamored by this stuff that we throw all truth out the window. Folks, let me tell you the safest place in the world. Standing face to face with somebody that has to give you an account of what they're preaching. I don't preach anything that I'm not afraid to go up toe to toe against anybody in the kingdom with because I know it's sound well it might not be as deep I know but look we can live off of clear water amen amen you, you, you don't have to have it six inches deep or 12 inches deep you don't have to have it so so deep you can't even drink out of it amen look 
Let's just believe the Bible. Amen? Listen, the devil is weaving. And if you don't think he's been at work, you look from 40 years ago, one generation, how the church has fell into decay, powerlessness, uncleanness, impurity, lost its integrity, lost its power and its might, and its testimony to a lost and dying world. That is the result of us allowing everything that comes through the air to be a part of us. Absolutely not. We demand the truth. Amen? Amen. The truth. Praise God. Let's stand to our feet. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are finding out who the devil is, how he uses people. God, make us aware and just awaken us, God. Stir us. God, help us to watch. Let us do basic things. Prove, know, rebuke, instruct, be all long-suffering, God, in you. Let us not be in a hurry to put anybody place in place where Jesus himself should sit as Lord of our life. God, let us not replace the gospel with what men say. If we do not find it ourselves, then we consider that it's not ours. We won't be led by something we cannot confirm the mouth of two or three witnesses. Help us, God. Help us be diligent. Help us be wise. Let us be consistent. And God, we ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen.